All right. Welcome to the first recording of Peace Country Musical Artists Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Harcourt, with my co-host, Kurt Furstenworth. Say hi, Kurt. How you, how you folks doing out there? Um, now, because of this pandemic crap that we're dealing with in the extended lockdown, we are actually doing this interview with each other via WhatsApp video. That's a nice Highland beer hat you're wearing. Thank you very much. I like your hat as well. I don't have one, but yeah. <laughs> Mine's an old bald fat guy, tweed, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, like uh, 45, I think. Yeah, that's, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm way past that. <laughs> so, Kurt, you know, uh, we haven't known each other for very long, so I don't know that much about you. So uh, let's start with some background stuff, like uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Hines Creek, Alberta. Did you really? Uh, I did really. How come I never uh, freaking yeah. I, I never saw you before like uh within the last what five years? Well we moved uh away to Calgary when I was eighteen. Um oh. my wife and I were down there for sixteen years. But uh, I remember you because I watched you playing bands all through my <laughs> high school years. <laughs> but uh, you cry when you remembered that uh that young kid hanging out and watching really closely. But uh yeah, we moved away. I moved to go to go to university in Calgary. My my wife my girlfriend at that point came down with me and uh we uh made a life there for a long time but then once we had kids we thought moving back to the peace country was uh, good for them good for good for us and and you probably uh, don't regret moving back do you not at all it's been uh it's been a real pleasure uh you know the city life there were things i loved about it uh I, people always ask what we miss we mostly miss people we had a lot of we, we made a we made a life down there we made a family down there but coming back here, we have, you know, uh, family and, and have made lots of friends here, too. Nice. I was a little worried about the music, actually. Um, we were we were giving up something down there to come up here. I didn't know what we were coming back to. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out the community is so big and vibrant here that we didn't really have that. That wasn't a problem at all. So you, so you didn't uh, miss much then? Transitioning uh, no, 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 from the big I, city to small town life. I can't say enough about, you know having your kids in a small town too and uh, you know uh, small schools and just just life in general is better for them so yeah i, I don't regret it at all uh, but you know it, uh, we we did we had some stuff going on down there you know we, we were playing in uh, some bands in calgary and, and had a couple albums and stuff but but again we're, we're trying up here too it's a little different it's definitely a different life up here especially the music scene i can imagine there's probably less venues to play up here than there is down there in a different style. I mean, uh, we had to, I had to learn to do sound here. I never had to do sound in Calgary. You, <laughs> you just showed up at the gig with your, with your equipment, and they had a sound guy. You yeah. know? So uh, that was probably the biggest change. We had to buy equipment. We had to kind of learn how to use it. I'm not sure I have yet, but <laughs> we we try. And then you play for a lot longer. There it was usually a 45-minute set because you're on a venue with three or four other bands. And it was almost like a showcase. People come to see you, and then, and here you're you're playing a dance, you're playing a wedding, you're playing, you're playing the whole night. You're playing the whole night. Yeah, you're playing the whole night. Well, so that's that's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, well, how old were you when you got the music bug? You were saying that you uh, came to see me when we were playing in dances in Heinz Creek. So I mean, that must have been quite a while ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was in the nineties. I definitely was uh, a fan of music. Uh, you know, quite young. You know, I remember being in, in high school packing around about, you know, 100 CDs with me at all times because, you know, you had to be ready. <laughs> but when I picked up the guitar, 
uh, I think I was 17, a bunch of us kind of in, in, in Heinz Creek decided we were going to start learning guitar. And, um, you know, I, I can, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I bought my first guitar in the mall on Main in Fairview uh, from Ruby. Uh, she, she had a guitar on consignment. And uh, I'll always remember the story. I didn't really, I must have been bold back then, but Brent Clare had his store across the street. And I walked over there and asked if he thought it was a good guitar. He came over with me and he checked it out with me. I barely knew him. And uh, he said, yeah, it's, it's decent. He said it's a heavy as a, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and, and the action's not amazing, but it sounds nice. Yeah. And I always tell people, you know, it's probably good for me because I did learn on it. And then every other guitar after that felt like butter because that first one was just <laughs> terrible action. You know, it's like playing barbed wire. Uh, I actually took it. I had it changed into a slide guitar. I had it even raised higher. Oh, and, I think, uh, uh, I, yeah, I think the first dance that uh, me and my wife ever saw you guys play was out at David Thompson. You had it that night, didn't you? I might have. I, I have also, I have a lap uh, slide as well now. I might have pulled it out uh, that night. I'm not sure if I had, this one is an old Samick and I um, I just had, uh, Luth here actually raised the strings even higher. So, and then threw a, a pickup in there because it was so hard to play. I thought, what's, but it, I, I want to keep it for sentimental reasons. So at least it's something I can use. And, you know, so then I moved down to Calgary uh, with a, a good friend of mine and he played as well, both just learning. And uh, we were bored and lonely. We didn't know anyone. <laughs> we, we moved down there and we, so we sat in our apartment and uh, smoked cigars and drank beer and played guitar for about a year. And uh, I'd say, even then, I don't know that I, I really enjoyed it. I was I was loving playing, but uh, I was, at the moment I kind of give to where I really got the bug was I went to a coffee shop one night. There was an old blues man playing there named uh, Tim Erickson, and he came over and just asked, Do "You guys play music?" And I said, "Oh, we're kind of dabbling." And he said, uh, "Well, every once a month, I play here on Friday night, and I host an open mic on Saturday. So tomorrow's the open mic. You guys should come back and play." And uh, we went, and I got up there, and I'm sure I was terrible. I'm sure I was uh, <laughs> nervous as hell. I remember shaking like a leaf, and, and I got up there, and I played a song, a couple songs, and they were so welcoming and, uh, and made me feel like a rock star. So then I went back the next month, and the next month, and the next month. And, of course, it drives you because now you can't play the same song you played last week cause, <laughs> or last month because now they're going to be – so we – I went for eight years, eight years every month. Uh, those people became great friends, and and uh, you know they, uh, we, we we never wanted to miss it, and it it made me sharper. So then we, I still I never really thought of doing it so much, like to get to the point where I made CDs or anything like that. But and you start meeting people in the music business, and 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 they know people, and we ended up starting a band, uh, and and. Some of those people knew some recording people, and all of a sudden we're making records and playing cool venues and stuff. So it, it, it was, you know, I didn't ever, ever have a plan. I just got the bug and started really enjoying it, and then things just kind of fell into place for me. Uh, well now, I, since I come up here, I think I have a lot more of a drive where I'm actually trying to push my life in certain directions. But then it was kind of being, I was just being pulled along, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> figuring out life. So, yeah. Right on. That's kind of work. So are you the only musical one in your family then? Or is like your mom and dad uh, have a musical background? You know, it's interesting. I, I, a lot of people have said, oh, well, you know, you don't come from a musical family. My, 
my grandfather on my dad's side, he did play. I never actually saw him play. He kind of put it away by that point. I, I have his mandolin he brought here from Germany in 1928. Wow. Um, and it was a big deal to him at that point. Uh, I know he played a lot, but then as he got older, I think he gave it up. I never did see him play. I, I inherited the instrument, but I never saw him play. My grandfather on my mom's side was actually a musician. His name was Len Lindstrom, and he, he played at uh, uh, just around town. His, all his family were musicians. Uh, I inherited his fiddle and his banjo. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, his, his two youngest daughters played with him. They'd play at the hospital in Fairview just to play for people. And uh, so, you know, but he, he gave my sister guitar lessons, I remember, uh, when I was quite young. Uh, she was seven years older than I was. But then he, also, he passed away before I really got into the into it at all. So, um, my dad plays a little accordion, and he plays a little bit of harmonica, uh, <laughs> but not not to the point where he really uh, took it too seriously. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I just think. And then, of course, my wife's a drummer. Uh, that she, you know, and now we're trying to get our kids into it. But yeah, like that that helps. You know, having someone to bounce off and exactly. write together. Yeah. Nice. She actually plays guitar now too. But I, I yeah, saw that so. last video. Yeah. 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 So she's been getting better and better all the time, and yeah. So it's it's neat, uh, and we've been in bands together now for uh, 16, 17 years. We've been playing in bands together with her as my drummer, and that you know, is so a while, uh, isn't it? That is a while. You know, it's <laughs> crazy how fast time. <laughs> <laughs> time does fly, man. So, yeah. so what is your favorite kind of music? What's your favorite genre? Like country, jazz, uh, folk. It's definitely country and maybe more of a kind of alt country, like the more traditional like outlaw country, that, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, it has changed over time. I remember leaving Heinz Creek, rejecting country, basically, like oh, everyone was still there. And got got deep into like rock and punk, punk and even rap and stuff for a few years, blues for sure. I But I I always returned, you know. I Johnny Cash kind of brought me back. I always say like he started doing, making those records uh, – where he was covering Nine Inch Nails and, oh, yeah. and Soundgarden and stuff, right? And, yeah. and I started listening to that. And half the songs on the album would be him covering old, uh, um, old traditional country, and half would be like him playing around with rock and roll and stuff. But yeah. uh, and then he brought me back, and then slowly, I, I think that's what I mostly listen to now. I'm going later, but um, uh, and yeah, definitely what attracts me the most. But I still like to go out looking at other genres all the time. I, I spent quite a bit of time listening, right? So. Any, anything to fresh in a person's uh, perspective, right? Because yeah, there, there is yeah, so does. many There's genres. Many notes, so the fact that people can keep making. So. And, and, and it's crazy. Yeah. The amount of bands that come out or have been coming out uh, in the, in the past years, right? In the past 10, 15 years, so many bands. And it, it's just hard. Oh, it to, it's hard away, to keep but, track of them all. Well, I think it's, it's so different now you know you used to have to um have someone take interest in you and put money behind you and stuff and now people can record out of their homes or or the, and there's more studios and there's you know and there's more oh, venues yeah. to get it out there to people so it's you know i, I don't know that there's um the quality is uh, so much better but the quantity is there and you have to sift through the quantity to, to find the quality you know yeah. so it's that's right it almost takes a little more effort now right it does but yeah so that brings me to my next question. Like uh, right now, or or even when you were younger, who was your favorite artist or group then compared to nowadays? You know, it's changed over over the years. Obviously, right now, I'm very much into a, a fellow named Jason Isbell. He's a, a 
singer songwriter out of Alabama, uh, Muscle Shoals. He, he was in a band called The Drive by Truckers, which was my favorite band for a few years. And then when he left them and went solo, he's been my my go to guy for a few years. I think he's a great lyricist, and I think that's where I really, you know, I'm drawn to great great writing and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, I came out of yeah, like I remember in my teen years, I really liked Sublime, which is kind of that ska, uh, you know, folky ska kind of things. Uh, you know. I moved my way. I really like an artist named Bright Eyes. He was a singer-songwriter, uh, really young when he got his record deal. I mean, moved along. Drive by Truckers, like I said, they became a big part of my my influence for a, a while. But uh, like right now, I like there's a whole I like the Tyler Childers and the Sturgill Simpsons and all these guys kind of reinventing that more traditional country sound is is what I'm really drawn to. Yeah. But, you know, it's so, so funny if you start down that rabbit hole, like you said, there's so much out there. You know, I spent probably three hours of the night and found, you know, another 10 guys and girls <laughs> that I, you know, <laughs> just having the time now to like listen and, you know, hear it all. But yeah, definitely. I, I'm always about Jason Isbell. People, he's, his wife is a fiddle player in Amanda Shires, who uh, is also incredible. And when they come together, their band is called the 400 unit. Uh, yeah. I just think they're amazing. You know, so that's that. Um, saying that he could be your idol then, right? He could be. I mean, it, it, I, I still, I, I kind of think that maybe he's too young. He's, I think he's younger than I am. So oh. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter the age difference. Like, uh, you know, if they've got good music or whatever, he can be your idol. Oh, and he's been, you know, like I could probably, I could have a whole podcast about him. I know too much, but you know, he was, <laughs> he was, he joined that, uh, he joined his, the drive by Trekkers at 18 because he was that, hot of a guitar player yeah. uh, the writing actually came later but they were opening for uh, uh like uh oh, i'm trying to think leonard skinner when he was 18 years old so oh, he's nice. he's had a so now he's been 22 years 23 years in the business but he's had a heck of a run yeah you know during that time uh but i always think you know johnny cash is still my go-to the whole life the the lifespan the the uh, how far he got uh, the life he lived outside of his music he was always you know involved in in different uh you know native american rights and and uh he's so i love his music i love how prolific he was you know there's something like a thousand songs recorded or something so that's pretty much like who you listen to the most then eh? yeah i still think yeah he's he's still the guy i i i pick out and when it's important i <laughs> play his songs you know <laughs> yeah no i understand so your your first instrument uh, was it the guitar? It was. Uh, well, I mean, I could say that uh, I, I did take piano lessons uh, as a kid. But to be honest, if you're going back, because they didn't they didn't take. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're gonna be honest, I remember taking my first guitar lessons before that. Even at uh, you know six years old, uh, Jim's Wick was giving me oh yeah uh, guitar lessons. Uh, but he moved away. And uh, then I started taking piano lessons, a woman named Karen Burns. But, um, she, you know, then she got pregnant, I remember, and decided <laughs> to, to stop doing lessons. And, and so we stopped. So that, so, you know, to take it seriously, yeah, when I was about 17, I, I picked up that guitar. And that's, you know, where I actually started to, because I wanted to. You know, and I always say that people have to, yeah. you know, want to play. Yeah. You can give your kids all the lessons they want and they want to play. So yeah, that was my first real instrument, for sure. Nice. So, uh, what did you say the first name uh, of the first band you were with was? <laughs> well, <laughs> the very first band. Was the very first Duncan one. Public love. Public love. The very first one was 
drunken public love. Drunken public um, I was inspired by a, an older couple I saw making out <laughs> at about 7 o'clock in a bar, and I had this idea for drunken public love. And by this point, we, uh, we'd started uh, playing with a, 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 a woman named Laura White. Uh, she uh, was a really talented singer, is a really talented singer, uh, songwriter. Uh, her dad was Diamond Joe White, uh, who had some hits back in the That kind of sounds familiar. Early 80s, yeah. He had a really big hit song called High Rider. We met her at a birthday party, and I played with her and said, I want to do something with that girl. She had such an amazing, powerful voice. And uh, spent the next, oh, I don't know, six, seven years playing in a band with her. Became, you know, they're, we were really good friends. I mean, we were in their wedding party. They were in ours, you know, that whole band. But it started out as Drunken Public Love. Uh, it was a four-piece Joe wasn't playing a kit yet. She was playing on a hand drum. Uh, we were playing kind of this folk punk style stuff. We were writing strange political songs and stuff. Um, <laughs> and then uh, somewhere along the line, we weren't taking it very seriously. I'd say that we were young and dumb, and you know, we 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 got gigs. We got we actually got gigs. But what we we do is we we'd get a gig and we practice really hard for that gig, and then the gig would be over, and we wouldn't. Uh, worry about music for the next three or four months <laughs> until, until we got another gig and then we had to hustle and, and play. And uh, one one day, Laura came and she said, you know, I'd like to take this a little more seriously. Could we could we make it a little more serious? And we were bouncing all over in different genres. Uh, and she said, I think we should try to stick to one genre and we should try to make an album. And uh, she we, we agreed to it that night. We changed the name of the band to Wheat and Water. And it was because she was from the West Coast. She was the water, and we were all Alberta kids. You know, we were the wheat. So we were we were wheat and water. Also, wheat and water makes my favorite type of beer. <laughs> wheat beer is our favorite. So that was kind of our our uh, reasoning behind that. So so then we uh, we took it a lot more seriously. Started practicing twice a week. Started writing songs. Um, we released a, an EP first. It was called Two Main Ingredients. That was about the the beer, <laughs> basically the two main ingredients. And uh, and then we got a little more serious, and we we I mean we produced that first record ourselves. We had a little recording studio under the stairs in our house that we were renting in Calgary. Um, we tried to bring a, a another friend who had a recording studio to save the album. We said, "What did we do wrong here?" And he said, "There's lots of things." <laughs> and uh, he tried to fix it as best he could. But then we started chatting with him, and he agreed to produce and engineer our second album. So the first one uh, was just a six-song EP. The second was a full-length record we made called uh, Left Hand Blue. And uh, it was in his studio mostly. He tried to help us save as much money as possible, so we recorded certain things at our house that he thought we could be trusted with. <laughs> and then, uh, the rest we recorded at his studio, the Box box Studio. And uh, so we released that album, and, and it was it, it actually it opened some doors for us. We All of a sudden, we got to... Uh, we played the North Country Fair a, few, a couple times. Uh, I guess once with Wheat and Water. Well, and that we, would bring uh, me to that would bring me to my next question. Like, well, well, where was your first gig with that band? So the first gig with uh, paying gig. Well, the, <laughs> the, the first paying gig. The first paying gig. We played a, a bar called the Soda in Calgary, uh, and it was a it was a neat little little uh, venue. 
Uh, that was with Drunken Public Love. Uh, again, I like to erase that portion a little bit because we were pretty <laughs> terrible back then. But the first gig with Wheat and Water, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was the Palomino Social Club in Calgary. Really neat um, uh, venue there, a barbecue place that has a, the basements all for music. And they, they have great music all year long. Spencer Brown was the booker, and he was really cool about giving chances to local bands. He'd, he'd hook you up with traveling bands that were coming through, and you'd be the opening act. Oh, nice. So we got to the op- – yeah, it was, it was neat. We actually had – we played there a lot. He was very good to us over the years. Uh, but the first gig I remember, this is where you learn a little bit of being, uh, I guess, not so naive about everything. I brought, like, six guitars with me. I had a guitar stand. <laughs> I had different sounds for different stuff. I had on a big guitar uh, – one of those stands that holds about six guitars. And uh, – they also they don't pay you super well for those those gigs down there. You know you might get two hundred bucks for the whole band, and six beers. And Holy. I was so nervous. And I just down I downed those six beers as about as fast as I could. And I was so nervous. And I think it was the second song I knocked over that guitar stand with all my guitars on it. Oh no! Uh, there was a banjo on there. It went out of tune. And but you know you you learn uh, <laughs> you learn to slow down and fix things as you get older at that point, I was just so panicked. I just, I didn't even tune them. I just kept playing and it was you know, <laughs> terrible and awful, but it was, yeah, that was our first gig. We, I think, you know, uh, if Spencer wasn't such a, a, a great advocate for local music, that might've been our last gig, but he, <laughs> he brought us back. <laughs> he brought us back a few times and um, we even, we opened for some neat bands like, uh, you know, JJ ship, I don't know if you know, he opened for Dwight Yoakam here, uh, just last year, we opened for him at the Palomino at one point. Nice. You know, that was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, so that was that was our first gig, though, the Palomino Social Club. And at that time in Calgary, there was a few venues that were really good for uh, original music, whether it be uh, there was one called uh, Broken Broken City was one. So we had a bunch of gigs like that. But yeah, that was, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So how many bands have you played in or for over the years? Uh, you know, I've I've been a, a, a writing and a member of basically three bands: uh, Drunken Public Love, Wheat and Water. Oh, I guess four. Whiskey Post was a side project that we put together after Wheat and Water ended. Um, it wasn't even supposed to be a band; it was just going to be a recording project. But we had so much fun, we decided to play some gigs, nice. and uh, we didn't play a lot. We played like three or four gigs. Um, one of them in Heights Creek at the old uh, at the uh, homecoming in 2013. We brought the band up from Calgary, uh, so it was that was and then now we're in Bonfire up uh, here in Fairview area. So sweet. Uh, so I guess four bands. But I did get to play. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough to you know I joined Kickback for some shows a few times, and I recorded on an album for a guy named Sandy Castles down in, in Calgary, and uh, uh, I've done some some other stuff. But yeah, that's been the four main. You no know, veins for for me kind of thing. Sweet. Uh, Which one was your favorite? <laughs> uh, you, have the, you have to say the one you're currently in, right? Um, no, we're, 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 I love Bonfire. They all they all had different uh, uh, feelings, you know. Uh, um, Whiskey Post was probably the easiest one because we brought we just had hired guns and they were all super talented musicians. You know, we had a steel player that we brought in. Uh, uh, Paul Brooks, our fiddle player on that album, who was actually uh, Western Junior Fiddle Champion when he was 13. Uh, we had a, a piano player that was one of the best in Calgary because 
our producer of our record just knew all these guys and could bring them in for pizza and beer basically. (laughs) So so it was an easy project because we didn't really even practice. I, I wrote, I wrote songs. They came in to record, they wrote their parts on the fly. And then we did a few shows together. Uh, So it was very, there wasn't any band politics. There wasn't anything. It was very, you know, clean and easy and stuff. Uh, I really enjoy what we're in now bonfire because we're just really good friends with everybody. Yeah. That always helps too, right? uh, You know, it's one of those things where we, when on the weekends we don't have practices, we would hang out just because we enjoy each other's company and know? just jam uh, jam a lot i I, yeah. I know that you guys yeah. you know go out to robbie's place and jam out in the barn in the summertime oh the barn and and and, and i you know, again when i was talking about how great this uh, community up here peace country musicians are is that you know, it, it could be bonfire will usually be the, the base of that group but sometimes there's five bands represented that night oh <laughs> yeah in the middle of you know nowhere like we got you know tyson blood is wandering in and you know they score him coming in and play drums. Like it's, it's it's been really neat. Uh, Robbie would host that big one once a year, but even you know throughout the year he'd throw little jams out there. But yeah, we yeah it's uh, it's also been you know I'm at a different type uh, point in my life. You know, with, we had the kids through this whole stretch, so it's a little different than when we were free and so wild uh, and free. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they're all different. They're all different, right? Every band has a different feel to it. Yeah. So, what's your favorite memory while playing, and which band was it with? Um, I want to say it's it's. So when I was in Wheaton Water, uh, of course, Laura's dad is uh, Diamond Joe White, and he decided to go back out on the road in 2010. Um. And he, you know, like I said, he, you know, he wanted Juno back in the eighties. He had a, a really big hit song in the early eighties, uh, a huge following in Calgary, especially because uh, he, they called him Calgary's country legend. He would be in all a bunch of all the stampede posters and, you know, uh, cause he was a big deal for those few years and still is. He's an amazing musician still. Yeah. Uh, he decided to come back on the road and he played two nights in Calgary and we got to be his opening act. Sweet. Uh, what was neat about that was, it was at the Ironwood, uh, which is a really cool music venue in Calgary. Uh, I never played a show where, where you could hear a pin drop because the oh. audience was hanging on every word. I, I told jokes. They weren't good jokes, and they laughed. <laughs> you know, I, uh, it, was, it was special because most of the time up to that point, we'd played bars where people are talking, and you're just part of the night. And here they were here to see – Diamond Joe White, and they were also here to see his daughter's band and see what she was like. And it was the the feedback we got. It felt very much. I felt the most uh, uh, appreciated I ever felt in a in a in a venue ever. And then what was really neat too is after we played our set, I ran the merch table for Diamond Joe, <laughs> and having uh, a, a character after character come up and tell me their the reason they love Diamond Joe White and, and stories about him from. Year after year after year, it was it, that was a pretty special night all around. There was a two-night gig. The first night was wonderful, but we had a little too much fun, so the second <laughs> night uh, wasn't feeling my best. So I'd say <laughs> the first night was definitely the highlight. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then I, I also, I you know, we probably in a possible tie was that we got to play the North Country Fair in 2013. Uh, we just put out the record the year before, I guess, and, and they, they hired us to play a midnight show 
at the North Country Fair. Uh, and that one was neat because I felt I never felt more like a rock star. They schlepped all our instruments. We had to show up with our instruments and, and drop them off. And then when we got to the stage, it was already all there set up for us. That, that felt pretty rock star. Perfect. Uh, and then we played to a couple thousand people uh, dancing their butts off at, at midnight. Uh, it, it, it was, that was pretty special. So yeah, those are my two so far. I'm hoping we get a few more chances like that. So. Yeah, it would be nice if all bands had that chance, wouldn't it? What is one thing that nobody knows about you, you know, that yeah. you can actually share? When we were preparing here, you told me this is going to be a question. I was trying to think of what I, <laughs> what I could talk about. Uh, and again, yeah, you're, I remember we were talking about what you could say on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I mean, if it's, if it's nothing that you can share or want to share, then you don't have to. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, uh, um, I'm pretty open book for most people, so uh, what you see is what you get, kind of thing. But um, right on. Let's see. You know, I I won a, a, a crib tournament when I was 12 years old uh, in Heinz Creek against. Uh, I was probably the only one there under the age of 60. Okay. One of those. Uh, see, uh, we've only got about 20 seconds left to record, so uh, this has been very interesting. You know, with with chatting with you and everything. Super fun for me. And I like to say thank you for, you know, joining the show and, you know, hopefully being a co-host in the future. 